Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Geeks and Family Therapy. This is your wonderful hosts, Kat LaForgia and Leah Bennett. Hey, you guys. How are you doing? So, Leah, what's been going on? Uh, Besides allergies, because I know we're both dying. Yeah, allergies have been having a special conversation with my eyes lately. I've also decided that good things happen to bad people because one of my best friends, he's currently stationed in Japan. Hurrah! But he also just sent me care packages from Japan. And this is supposed to go the other way around. I'm supposed to send care packages like, <laughs> just, welcome just, to... Just accept it. <laughs> yeah, so I got like about $1,000 worth of fans, kimonos, yukatas, um, sake, cameras. And I'm just going to accept this because thank you. So, but it's it's all like super kawaii stuff, right? Oh, yeah. Like, the, okay. one of the fans is larger than me, and I completely accept it. Oh, you're going to have to show that to me, like, another time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's let's kind of get to it, because we've been arguing about how long this, this episode is going to end up being with all the information that we have. So this week, we are discussing video game addiction, um, which we will kind of go back and forth calling it VGA during this recording just to hopefully make it a little bit shorter video game addiction is something that i deal with as a family therapist because one of the first things i hear about when i go into any home is how the family is dealing with my identified client who is addicted to video games so before we so what is an addiction before we say a video game addiction um well, so now the fun thing is that addiction is, it's its not like it used to be. So now we have the DSM-5 and I, I am looking at the DSM-5 now as we speak because, you know, I geek about everything psychology. So when I got into this field, I had a DSM-4, then I had a DSM-4-TR and now I have a DSM-5. I still those have the are, other. Those in the psychology universe who are do not know what a dsm is so the dsm is the diagnostic and statistical manual of mental disorders created and edited by the apa the american psychiatric association it's how we get our diagnosing criteria so what i ended up doing was kind of looking for um what's called other or unknown substance related disorders because they have in the DSM-5 broken it down so much when it comes to uh, to um, addiction disorders that it's literally like cocaine substance use disorder. There is um, heroin, there is marijuana. So it's literally broken down by drug. Um, so I just chose the other unknown one because they're pretty much the same. You want to have about five of the following, which has occurred within a 12-month period. So these are the diagnostic criteria. So it is the substance is often taken in larger amounts or over a longer period of time uh, than was attended. There is a persistent desire or unsuccessful effort to cut down or control use of substance. A great deal of time is spent in activities necessary to obtain this substance um to use the substance or to recover from its effects craving or strong desire or urge to use the substance recurrent uh recurrent use of the substance resulting in failure to fulfill major role obligations at work school or home 
continued use of the substance despite having persistent or recurrent social or interpersonal problems caused or exacerbated by the effects of its use. And um, important social occupation, uh, occupational or recreational activities are given up or reduced because of the use of substance. So those are just like seven of them. There's 11 of them. And I honestly don't want to keep reading <laughs> because that's just what it is for substance abuse. You need about, they say two, but when it comes to now, if we go into the internet gaming, which is what they are kind of classifying the last part as, you need five of them. Now, to let everybody know, video game addiction, sorry, everyone, is not a real addiction. Darn. Yes, I'm sorry. I know, Leah, you, you wanted to diagnose everybody with video game addiction, of right? Of course. I could get, you know how many hours I could get off from work because I needed to go to address my addiction? That'd be great. <laughs> it is right now in Chapter 3 of the DSM-5 for the conditions for further study. And so they're still saying it's over a 12-month period of time, but it's indicated by five or more of the following in a 12-month period. So I'm not going to go read them because they're the same thing as substance abuse, but instead of the substance, as I was talking about, it will be as in internet gaming. So now the problem with it is they haven't, they've said this really couldn't be studied well, no, I'm sorry. Let me take that back. It's they need more study on video game addiction or internet gaming addiction to classify it. So right now they are saying that, of course, you can have other supporting diagnosis with it. So depression, obsessive compulsive disorder, ADHD. And I think we're going to go into that a little bit later on in this episode but right now the study is they're doing it with uh, 12 to 20 year olds not that they've actually created this study but this is the study that they want to do so i know there have been many many studies that have done the video games and violence which we'll also get into but they want to discuss more of where they think that video games are the most prevalent so they're saying 12 to 20 year olds but I'm not 20. <laughs> well, I'm glad you said that, Leah, because um, as of 2015, there's been 155 million American play, uh, game players. So these are just people that aren't actually gamers per se, but they play games. And state that and repeat that number real quick. 155 million in America. Oh, oh just America. Just okay. America. Um. <laughs> And they play about three or more hours per week. And the average age of these gamers, do you want to take a guess at how old that is? 12, because they're all 12. No, they act like they're all 12 when we play them on any type of video game system because they're all trolls, but they are, the average age is about 35. Oh. So any study that's being done with the age group of 12 to 20 is not the average gamer. Well, we also have to... Put in that factor that gaming is expensive it really is so how is a 12 year old affording gaming i think we can answer that with families um addition to that part <laughs> <laughs> so um so you get them they're in foster care right so what happens when these kids who come in and the parents are saying they're addicted to video games 
or they're they've been put in a system and the foster parents are saying that they believe these kids are addicted to video games i get two types of kids Mm -hmm. um when when it comes to video games and it's honestly it's sad but a lot of these kids can't afford to be addicted to video games because the foster parents birth parents or whomever they're not in a position to purchase RP for League of Legends or gold for Age of Wushu. They can't afford to do all of that. So they, they really don't care about things that they can't afford to play with. So they so I don't get the, those hard console addicts, but I do get a lot of the cell phone addicts and the, I would say it would be more to uh, internet addicts ra- rather than video game addicts in in my field because foster parents is not buying them the newest gta game oh well i hope not because (laughs) that's uh that's really a bad thing depending on how old they are adults fine you want to play gta to your heart's content but i i very much believe in those um age limits that are sent set on (laughs) video games and i think parents need to finish uh like look at them and know what you're actually buying your kid so then we'll go into my families so my uh my parents when they come in and again i do family home based i have a lot of times where they're walking in and they're telling me that their child is addicted to video games so now remember these criteria i i've read to you these kids need to um be on these video games for a consistent amount of time they need to not be and not because they're not willing, but they can't physically be able to go away from their game. So they'll get withdrawal symptoms when the internet gaming is taken away. So irritability, anxiety, or sadness, but there's not like a physical sign of it. So Leah, have, have you seen the teenager who's, or the 12 year old whose parent or foster parent took away their cell phone? Yeah. Yeah. So, but that's also because gaming has become the new social media for a lot of these, especially with connections to the um to the world wide web. They use this to connect and talk to each other. So you're not just taking away their games; you're taking away their entire friend circle. Sometimes. Wait, wait, wait. So you're saying they're socializing when they're playing these internet yeah. games? Wait, because. Because wait, didn't didn't we learn from uh, Doctor Zimbardo that yeah, Doctor Zimbardo made this entire um conversation, an entire book about how about how the video game was ruining their social lives, and they had no way of speaking to each other, and they were speaking and they could not make love to women anymore because they were too busy playing video games and he low-key was he low-key told everybody that men are like naturally homosexual yeah that did seem like that was what he was kind of getting at so i actually decided i wanted to print out the transcript from his ted talk which was only five minutes so it was bearable (laughs) on my drive from um one client to another i i dislike zimbardo um if you don't know who zimbardo is he did the 
prison experiment, which was very, very controversial. And then he wrote this book called The The Demise of Guys. Oh, I'm sorry. No, Man Disconnected, How Technology Has Sabotaged What It Means to Be Male. Um, The Demise of Guys is his TED Talk. I'm very, very sorry. I got that wrong. And, And he said, so there's something I'm developing here called social intensity syndrome, which tries to account for why guys uh, really prefer male bonding over female mating. It turns out from earliest childhood, boys and then men prefer the company of guys, physical company. And there's actually a cortical arousal we're looking at because guys have been with guys in teams, in clubs, in gangs, in fraternities, especially in the military and then in pubs. And this peaks at Super Bowl Sunday when guys would rather be in a bar with strangers watching a totally overdressed Aaron Rodgers of the Green Bay Packers rather than Jennifer Lopez totally naked in the bedroom. The problem is they now prefer the asynchronistic internet world to the spontaneous interaction in social relationships. So, yeah, that does kind of sound like guys kind of start off a little homosexual or wanting more of the guy bonding male on male contact which you know what guy bonding is great and i kind of get what he's saying that there's that um that that just instant gratification when it comes to things like internet porn and video games i totally understand that part because that's part of the reason why kids like video games so much there's that instant gratification especially if they have a learning disorder in any way, shape, or form in school, and they play a video game, and guess what? They're doing great on it. True. So, um, but that goes to another topic that we'll t- discuss in a little bit. <laughs> There's so much to talk about when it comes to internet addictions and mm-hmm. video game addictions. But is it really that guys are no longer able to talk to people because of video games? But you said that guys are socializing on video games, right? That's what kills me. I'm well for five minutes had a standing ovation by other men who obviously are going to blame gaming for why they're not talking to women. But the gaming community has grown. Women also game. They're also on the internet despite what the rules say. Actually there are women on the internet. Uh, and I can I can tell you. The 49% of American adults play video games. 10% of the um, American adults describe themselves as gamers. Uh, 15% are more likely to describe... Oh, uh, 15% of men are more likely to describe themselves as gamers. 6% of women are more likely to describe themselves as gamers. So that's just 6% of the gamer versus the game player, which is just who plays more. But 48% of females play games. So we all play games. We all admit to it. It's just that we don't exist on the internet. With the internet, there are no girls on the internet, and I dare you to defy me on that. There are no girls on the internet? There is no girls on the internet, and if you dare tell me differently, I will tell you it's photoshopped. But but we're on the internet. I thought I was a girl. Yeah, I'm a girl. Nobody knows that we're actually females. Yes, and so we are, and the fact that we are socially engaging with other people on the internet is totally not happening, and the the fact that 
for every from your data for every one female um for every two guys that admit to being in the gamer at least one female admitted to being in the gamer. yes so you're but totally irrelevant because guys really want to hang out with guys and they all really don't want to be any any girls near them because they are too busy playing games and they cannot build any social um skills because there are no females on the internet for them to talk to. No, none. Absolutely true. And the fact that there are a lot of MMO RPGs, multi, multi um, <laughs> uh, mass multiplayer um, role playing games, mass multi online role playing games. I know there, that involves really way too many letters. <laughs> but because they involve marriage, and a lot of them can get married on those. But there are no girls on the internet at all. So. Sure, <laughs> Zimbadi is totally right about this. So, all right. Well, let's go back into then when when we're talking about this addiction. So now, um, mm-hmm. we said that no matter what, if you take away a video game from any anybody from twelve to twenty years old, they're gonna get a little bit of, a little irritable. Let, let's start with one. If you take away a child's preferred activity, they're going to get irritable. TV, whether it's a toy, they will get irritable. Let's talk about how parents will address getting their kid off of the game. Um, Now, you play video games on computers, right? Do you play any RPGs? Um, Yes, I've been on more than a few. I've been most recently on Blade & Soul. Okay. Before that... Age of Wushu, and in between that, I've attempted World of Warcraft, but I could not keep going with that oh. because I wasn't paying for it. Okay, so I I know World of Warcraft when it comes to PC gaming, and then besides that, um, on consoles, I did Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts. I've done a little bit of Halo, and let's let's I'm going to talk about World of Warcraft because I know it. Mm-hmm. So. And, and, and you can help me with this one. So if you're in a dungeon mm-hmm. and somebody comes in. No, mom, I can't get off line right now. Yes, you can't get off right now on the video game. Why? That sounded so wrong when I said that. <laughs> Darn. <laughs> so the issue with that is with internet gaming, MMORPGs in particular, and some MOBAs, um, m- multiplayer online battle arenas because it's real time and it's on the internet you're connected with a lot of other people so with that you become dependent and you do become dependent on other people and they become dependent on you so wait you can't do a dungeon crawl by yourself enjoy trying (laughs) (laughs) i will laugh and watch because it will be funny but and unless you are level 99 on a level 20 um, dungeon, it's never worth it to do it on your own. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend um, it either. So let's say you have your child and they are in the middle of Call of Duty. They're in the middle of, oh my God, what's that new one? Overwatch, which is the new love of my husband's life. I think I see him every once in a while. Um, <laughs> Overwatch is another one. It's a battle arena sort of game. And there's no real, like, he can't hit pause pause button. So he has to finish the round, 
to come upstairs to eat or do whatever it is he has to do or he takes a penalty and can sometimes get I guess sort of booted off the game for a little while if he's been uh, mm-hmm. if he does that too many times if he just leaves a, a, a round too many times the thing is is that with internet games such as um, Overwatch and League of Legends mm-hmm. you have to dedicate if it's an ARAM or random or metal, um, you have to dedicate at least 25 minutes to it. If it is a um, Summoner's Rift, a normal or a ranked, or especially a ranked okay. game, you have to dedicate 30 to 45 minutes to this game. Okay. So, and, and there is no getting up. Okay, so so you've got a time limit. So if... And, and what I usually recommend to parents to stop that argument is if you know your child is playing a game, set that time limit. So mm-hmm. it may be a little bit of trial and error, but say, hey, you have 15 more minutes. So if, if you're in a game that you have, you can have a save point, get to the next save point and then it's time for dinner or get to the na- next save point and then we're going, you know, to wherever. Or um, you have 15 minutes um, unless... And then let the kid tell you, talk to your child on mom, I just started this round and it's going to take about 20 minutes. Okay, so then it's 20 minutes and then we're doing Mm -hmm. this. So the the main reason to tell a child to get off right now should be the house is on fire. Because sometimes that's simply you have to, it's not just the fact that they're gaming, but sometimes you just have to respect that they're in the middle of something, just like. If you are on the phone and they come up to you, mom, mommy, and you're like, I'm on the phone. That's exactly what they're doing right now. And sometimes you kind of have to respect that. That's they're in the middle of doing something. They're in the middle of conversing with other people, content, socializing with other people. And when they're done, they should respect your wishes and go to whatever task that they're asked to do. Okay. It's when they go 20 minutes and then it's, three hours later and they're still playing this game that you still that you have to be more stringent with them. and and that'll be addressed in a little bit too mm-hmm. um but so that but this is a great lead into the next point because withdrawal symptoms when internet gaming is taken away so that would be another one of the next criteria and i think that's more that's clearer than uh, the other um criteria for internet gaming. Yeah. Well, and, and this one is, um, again, it's going to be described as irritability, anxiety, or sadness. So I have a couple of points on that one. This one is, one, if you have a child or you have anyone who has spent most of their time on video games and is like myself and Leah that some of our friends are online to play the video games with us and they're overseas. Mm -hmm. So the only time I get to talk to them is if I'm playing a game. I may get a little upset if I have to walk away from it or if I was just finding out some good stuff because, you know, I got to get some of the gossip from overseas. Yeah, German gossip is Mm -hmm. hilarious. (laughs) But the other thing is that when you're when you're talking about families and you're talking about children it also depends on how do you entertain your child or how is a family entertaining themselves when it when it isn't playing video games so i guess 
With me, it's if I come into a home and I find out that the only way the child ever interacts with their with their family is uh, as soon as they wake up in the morning with the mom yelling at them or the dad yelling at them that it's time to go to school. And then when they get home and them getting yelled at again about doing homework, there's no interaction in the family. So the child only interacts with anybody on a video game system. So when they are taken off that system, yes, they are they tend to be sad because they feel isolated again. So the first thing we try to do is integrate family rituals, eating dinner together, playing board games together, or sometimes playing video games together. It, you know, video games can be fun. I'm taking you out of Mortal Kombat. Yes, yes. But um, again, back to back to my study that I've been uh, like pulling little pits, uh, bits and pieces from. 63% of parents say video games are a positive part of their child's life. And, f- and it's usually... Does it state the age range of those? No, parents? it doesn't. But okay. it all. But um, it does say that fifty nine percent of parents whose children are gamers play computer and video games with their children at least weekly. So when you have certain generations mm-hmm. don't really do video games or understand video games, and by not understanding it, they vilify it immediately. Well, yes. You've ever seen the meme where they show a parent, they're like, doesn't your parent always make that face when looking at a cell phone because they're trying to figure out how a cell phone works and always got one tongue out, like trying to figure out how do you press this button, call you and say, come here, send this message for me. And you're just like, just press the button, right? That one that says send, right? And (laughs) (laughs) that big button right there in the middle. But they don't get that. And because they don't get it, it's easier to make a villain out of something that you feel is taking uh, taking your child away from the family. So again, so these withdrawal symptoms are easily they're easily taken care of if in a family setting, the family has a way to kind of redirect the redirect the child. So again, my my identified client is always a child, um, and my I, I have age, age ranges from four to about eighteen years old. And if I find a kid who is, and I'm not going to say addicted, I'm going to say that they're just heavily involved in video gaming. When a, when the family starts inter, uh, interacting more, you start to see that that child is not on video games as often. So are they substituting them? Yeah. Uh, again, so we we introduce some type of family ritual. So we have family dinners, which, yes, because of the way uh, this world is now, most families, if it's a two-family home, which a lot of times it isn't, both parents will work. So a lot of times it's very hard to get a sit-down dinner with every member of the family. So they at least try to do that once a week, even if it's just on the weekend. But even if they can't get everybody, they try to do whoever's home to sit together and talk about their day. That's usually a time where they'll say, like, no electronics at the table. We're going to just talk about what happened today. And it helps because, one, it gets the kid interested in what the parents are doing. And it also gets the kids to be able to feel like they can talk to their parents about other topics that may be bothering them. Just that simple thing right there is something that that helps them 
get motivated to try other things introducing board games so that the families are sitting together and playing a game helps too but it's just again having that family ritual just to kind of get the kids used to not playing a video game all the time not relying on that instant gratification of a video game you know yes you're winning all the time and that's why you do why you like it so much well i'm bronze 32 so that means i'm losing all the time (laughs) so so now the other thing is so the preoccupation with internet games so the the individual thinks about previous gaming activity or anticipates playing the next game internet gaming becomes a dominant activity in daily life I want to describe it to you as this, Leah. Have you ever had a crush on somebody? No, never. So let's let's go with the fact that it's sarcastic. <laughs> so Leah, so remember the last time you had a crush on somebody and you just thought about them constantly? Lord. Okay. Yes. How many times do you think this actually happens with people who play video games? Having crush no, on No, having a crush. Well, well listen, a crush on a video. I had, when I was younger, had a crush on Trunks, but we're not talking about anime. We are talking about video <laughs> games. So you get a brand new video game or you know there's a brand new video game coming out and you just think about it constantly. Well, yeah. Um, South Park has a new one that's coming out and I'm, I'm sitting here breathing hard, having dreams but about it. But the Stick of Destiny wasn't good enough? <laughs> the Stick of Destiny was why I need more. <laughs> <laughs> so so this is the one of the first criteria. So it says, note the disorder is distinct from internet gambling, which is included under gambling disorder. So internet gaming is, again, about the instant gratification, but what part is causing them to want to think about the game all the time? So is it, is it that they're substituting the, the social factors, these instant gratification factors? with gaming or is it that they are unable to function without gaming because if they cannot function without gaming that's the bigger issue than if they can't function with gaming so if they are speaking to let's say let's talk about South Park and if they are fine South Park you've completed mm-hmm. the game and you move on yes are you is your world ending because this game is over or are you moving are you moving on to another game or are you um just not playing anymore for a while and and this is why the criteria why um internet gaming disorder is under conditions for further study because they can't Mm -hmm. really answer that one so now Tolerance and unsuccessful attempts to control the particip- uh, the con- participation in inter- internet games. So tolerance meaning the need to spend increasing amounts of time engaged in internet gamings. And in Jedi Council, which is one of my favorite podcasts, by the way, they actually got to talk a little bit about video game addiction. And they spoke about this webisode uh, called The Guild with Felicia Day in it. Yeah. And- <laughs> Felicia Day I like that would show. be, I guess, somebody that we would say, yes, can possibly have a video game addiction. She plays mm-hmm. the game, which <laughs> would be the guild's version of World of Warcraft. And and not the one that you just lost. <laughs> uh, and in this, uh, in this game, she 
if you look on her monitor, she has crossed out like how many hours. So it says like one hour and it's crossed off. Two hours crossed off. Three hours crossed off. Five hours. And she's she has that one that she's willing to do. So that's the amount of time that she's allowing herself to play the game. Hmm. I don't th- think that's the tolerance. I think that's more of the unsuccessful attempts to control participation in the game. So she hasn't built up a toler- hasn't built up a tolerance where she needs to play more of it to feel better about mm-hmm. herself or to feel accomplished. She just hasn't been able to kind of wean herself down, which is again one of the ways we would treat something like that is by slowing slowly taking them down. If we know that somebody's playing a video game for 10 hours, we try to decrease it. 10 hours is a lot. I mean, you go to school for about is six it, to eight. Mm-hmm. And you sleep for the other And there's eight. only 24 hours in and... a day. So what's going <laughs> on there? But my thing is, is I think it's the not just, I think it's the persistence of that tolerance. It's because a Saturday, if I have a mm-hmm. Saturday or I, I keep my Sundays to myself, I do not interact with anyone on Sundays and I can put in a full eight hours on The Sims on see, a Sunday. I also might not touch The Sims for another month see, after I think that. The Sims so should be classified as something completely different. Because <laughs> you spend four hours Because you get to play God. And I don't know about you, but I like yeah. when I get to play God with The Sims <laughs> and I get to create one how, from scratch and then kill it. Yeah, I have about 14 to 17 years of Sims yeah, playing so. under my belt. And this was what started me in PC gaming, but that's why I say the that tolerance of time is what factors, and also um, your occupational time and the time that's used to recover. If you if you're not mm-hmm. going to work because you are still playing the game, or worse, that you played until five a.m. and you have work at five twenty-two. Yeah. So that would be so, and that one has to go to more towards uh criteria nine which is has jeopardized or lost significant relationship jobs or educational or career opportunities because of participation in internet gaming so this is where i start to get concerned if you tell me your child has not gone to school for a couple of days that is going to be severe this is where we're saying yes that's a severe severe aspect Um, And sadly Mm -hmm. enough, this is when a lot of times uh, children and youth get involved because they shouldn't be missing games, uh, missing school for any reason. Um, Here in Pennsylvania, it's uh, six unexcused absences and children and youth get involved. Oh, you guys, only six? New York is down to two and a half. So look at that. So and so that changes. So on the third day, I get a phone call that they're called that ACS was already called. So things things will change um, by state, but this is this is where we start to get concerned. Your child is missing school for video games, (laughs) and again, this becomes one of those. How much of it is that the child also doesn't have another outlet for? what we would call some uh, a comorbid uh, diagnoses. So again, we don't say video game addiction is an actual diagnosis because per the DSM-5, it's not. But 
there can there can be other things that can be going wrong, which then goes to criteria number. I think it's like six or seven. Oh no no no! I'm sorry. Totally wrong. Number eight, which is the use of internet games to escape or relieve a negative mood. I always say everybody needs a coping skill, and using video games as a coping skill mm-hmm. is great. The question is, is it escapism, where you're just using it to say I'm not dealing with my problems, or is it for you to decompress, de-escalate, and then deal with your problem? Yes, uh, deal with your problems later. So I want to bring up catfishing with that one because have you ever met someone who just claims to be a completely different person online? Um, there's like an there are a lot of online social social RPGs like Second Life or IMVU where you can basically mm-hmm. be another person. It's like oh my god, um, I haven't seen that in sweet. like forever. So it's still huge. It's still making okay. a lot of money. But there are a lot of people who refuse to identify that there is a real world. Okay. There are a lot of um, domestic violence relationships that are going on completely online. They've never met each other, but the woman is completely dependent on the guy or so vice versa. That would be more and towards like gaslighting, emotional abuse. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so there's a lot of it. And there's a lot of people who... I There was one girl who... Ref- um, swore that she was who is it tiny and ti she swore that she was ti's um, niece and part of that girl group that they had and would post all of these pictures stating that uh-huh. she was this person even though everybody had already found out that she wasn't because the internet and anonymous is law and they can find out everything if you cause them to of want course. to find out but these people who completely get lost in the internet or the people who commit suicide or because they believe what they saw on the internet or those everybody's favorite TV show catfish where they there was a lovely episode where the girl pretended mm-hmm. to date one guy online then broke up with him and dated another guy online and incited the two of them to the point that one of them went and found the other guy and shot him oh my god yeah this this is obviously an outlying mm-hmm. case, but does that affect concern of losing yourself in this game? Would she have an addiction would the, or would those guys have an addiction if this has affected them to this point? And I think in that situation, I mean, that's, that's a lot of information that still isn't like, I don't have all the information to say they have an addiction. I would say that it seems that somebody has really low self-esteem to the point that they have to pretend they're someone else. And I would say Mm -hmm. that the fact that they're manipulating um, other people, you may want to look into, is there some type of personality disorder that they have that they need to go through this? But an addiction per se, I mean... Is it compiling through video game addiction? And that's my question for most of these, most of the classifications of video game addiction. Are they really just compiling another disorder well, and just well, coping and, through and video games? So, so if we're going through that, if you're saying that they're using the video games to escape um, or relieve their negative mood, again, I don't think if you're using a video game to cope with a bad day at work, breaking up with your girlfriend 
breaking up with your boyfriend or anything like that. I don't think playing video games should be classified as a negative thing. I think that's a positive because you have a, <laughs> a developed coping skill. You're making faces and I'm trying to be very serious here. <laughs> but the other thing is, again, is it that you're using that to cope with the negative mood that you're in, that that sadness, that melancholy, or sometimes even depression or anger, because you could use it to, to help you with anger. Are you using it to help with those emotions and then kind of going, okay, this is how I felt and this is why I felt that way. So processing the emotion or are you using, and this is then when I say it's a negative thing, are you using the video games to escape from it completely and you're not handling your emotions? So you haven't learned any way to deal with any type of negative emotion so that when you do have to see your ex-girlfriend or ex-boyfriend at school or at work or wherever you see them, you're still very sad, very angry, feeling isolated, feeling belittled, however you feel, and you haven't moved past it. So now every time you see them, you're still going through that. You're, you're still dealing with the um, that negative emotion. And, and we can both very much say that we've had times where we were very, very sad or feeling very, very misused or untrusting of people. And we kind of like went into our video games to kind of get out of it for a little bit. Because in mm -hmm. video games, the only time anybody's going to curse us out is when we're acting like a complete noob and getting everybody killed, right? So I there you go, because that's why you're bronze 32. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we go through that, we get yelled at, because we're we're getting everybody killed but one we feel useful because we have that social group that if we don't help them get through that dungeon guess what they're not getting through that dungeon if we're not helping them finish with a payload guess what that round is completely done um sometimes it's the capture the flag type of scenarios they ha we have a team we have people that we're relating to we feel useful at that moment and it makes us feel better. That validation is what brings it, but that's, but that can be said about other addictions that, that high from in video game sense being validated saying that, oh my goodness, you're so great. You're such a champion level player and versus snorting cocaine and that high from, from being So then it becomes that. one of those, are you getting, yes, we get that high from that game because um, we have that gratification. So now are we taking it to the point where we can't separate ourselves from the game because it's the only place we're getting that high? In other words, if you're 15 years old and you're failing all your classes because you have a learning disability that nobody has diagnosed, and you just think you're mm -hmm. stupid, but then you re you turn to games and you're able to like go through any type of level really quickly and you always reach like whatever the high score is on it. And so but you might want to stay there instead of addressing your school issues. And nobody likes to admit, especially the first time, to having an issue. So they'd rather just go to something so, different. Now that goes to... Is there a loss of interest in previous ho hobbies and entertainment as a result of 
and the exception of internet games. So in other words, if you're in school and you're failing everything, but you were on a sports team. So now because you're failing, you can't participate in a sports team. So you're playing video games, but then some way you get your grades back up, but you've decided you're not going back to your sports. But now you don't want to be in the game. All right. You know what? There may be a problem there. You're living so much in the game that you haven't returned to something that before this you liked. But people also, they're teenage, uh, especially specifically wait, 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 teenagers wait, 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 wait. and kids. They're what? What was that word again? Okay. Teenagers? So teenagers, you mean they don't like one thing for their like whole teenage life? Absolutely not. And the funniest part is that they, they change their interests so often that that our cans is constantly changing for me when I work mm-hmm. with uh, teens. This child started he got into an arts program okay. for his drawing. And by the time he graduated um, junior high, he was swearing up and down that he was going to be an, an actor. And we had to change everything and how we addressed it and what classes he was taking because he had just completely changed his mind because he did not want to stay in this one um, hole, this one square forever. And now he's into like the internet and you have to understand that these kids are changing. That's part of what changing is. That's part of what puberty is. And we have to accept that change is good and they might not be into something forever. And they may not have even liked the the sport in the first place. So I may have joined, mm-hmm. I was one, I joined track, swearing up and down because okay. I thought I was supposed to do track. And then <laughs> I ate a track and I happily, when they said, oh, well, you've gotten slower. I said, oh, well, does that mean but I don't have to be You know what anymore? I like about track? I, I, I'm going to tell you. Track prepares you for zombie apocalypse. What? Yes. No. Do you know why? You want to know why? Because one, it helps with speed and stamina. What? And then if you're doing hurdles, ta-da, zombie apocalypse <laughs> right there. Well, you know what's really um, smart? Always make having friends is good for zombie apocalypse because now you have something to feed them in the meantime <laughs> when you get away. I adore you, Leah, but we will not. No, no. You're not going to stay with me. We're not going to be near each other because I don't need you to hurt me. That's okay. You're like, oops, just remember, sorry. Just remember, uh, I have all the weapons. So, there. So, <laughs> and, and we've gone through a lot in in this this time and there's still a lot to talk about and i don't think i want to do another episode of this because i kind of <laughs> i i, I want to do yeah i want to do a lot more fun stuff but we had to get through this what i would love to talk about mm-hmm. though is that if you see someone who seems to be having an issue with video games that they are so sort of like substance abuse disorder so where they're using it to escape where they're um they're they're doing it more often than not they are lying to friends and family about how much time they're playing video games or whatever you want to look and see what's changed in them if if they hadn't been this way before is is it just a new video game that they're into or has something else happened so are we looking at you know the reason so part of this addiction would be a complete personality change. i don't want to say it well i don't want to say it's a personality change but 
and 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 I think this is where I get concerned about the family in a whole. If you don't know what your child liked prior to video games, and you don't know how your child True. is when they're not when they don't have video games other than that they're having a temper tantrum, then that concerns me because I I have to wonder what happened between the introduction of video games and the fact that your child was this uh, cute little squishy, adorable, huggy kid that you lost them to video games. You wanna know what happened? (laughs) I'll tell you what happened. They made leapfrogs. Okay. For kids. They made Kindle kids. They made iPads for kids. And so you have a free babysitter. You now have a $600 one-time fee babysitter that you, oh, and oh my gosh, I have to go shopping, but I know my child's going to be in everything. Here, okay. play with this. Oh, we have a long ride. Okay, Here, so, so yeah, this. so parents do use electronics for a lot, uh, for, for babysitting. babysitting. I hate to say that, but, but you're right, for babysitting. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> But besides that, it's the question of, is there, is there something going on in your child's life that they're escaping from, that they're avoiding? And sometimes just talking can help. If, if a child mm-hmm. is really, really far gone with, and I'm going to use video game addiction because I just don't have a better term for it. <laughs> if, if your child <laughs> is so far gone with video game addiction, there are many ways to help them. Family home based uh, is is one of them. Um, I'm not trying to like say we're the best, but we do help because we do work with the whole family. <laughs> um, most of the times, cognitive behavioral therapy is used, and we'll probably have another episode where we talk about CBT. But there are many programs which use the twelve step program, like AA and NA, but for video games. And I honestly think it was called video game addiction anonymous so vgaa don't quote me on that i don't remember it uh completely but i think that's what it was called and and they'll do the 12-step program just like they will with um any other addiction when you get into situations like that the first thing we end up finding out uh, and i'm saying we as uh therapists is that your child was depressed that your child is also suffering from an eating disorder, that your child is being bullied in school, that the divorce that you're going through is actually very much affecting your child. And and again, this, this goes through the, yes, there just needs to be a conversation with the family. And sometimes it's just really hard to have that conversation and that's okay. But you know, once that happens, a lot of help can be done. And you'll see that children will not need to rely on video games as much. And adults, it's it's the same thing, you have to look into if your loved one is um, spending more time on video games than they are with you. And this is adult to adult find out what's going on with their life because there may have been a very big change in their life that was not for the better it was for the negative and they have no way to process it they have no way to handle it and right now they're escaping and and they 
and it might not just be escaping they might be coping through it some of them use their social interactions on there to hash out what this what they're going through and and, and that that's one of the, the the best things i think we can we can say is that you know a lot of times and and this is what zimbardo had said many times in um his book which i don't want to plug because again i don't like zimbardo mm-hmm. But he keeps referring to these children as loners again. And if anything, you should know that video games are not the uh, these Lonely. antisocial ideal that parents think it is. They think their kids go into their room and, okay, yes, I'm sorry if you have a teenage boy and he's alone in his room and the window is closed. It probably <laughs> smells like sweat and desperation. He might not be playing. Um, but that's because you have a teenage boy. <laughs> he might not be playing video games. And then that goes into the whole porn thing that we were talking about in with Zimbardo. But, <laughs> um, but again, conversation with your child about you know pornography and how that's not real <laughs> relationships. But if they're in their room, and they, especially if they have headphones on, your child is not talking to themselves. They are not so crazy and far gone that you think they are. They have a friend. Sometimes these friends are friends in school. Sometimes these friends are strangers on the internet that you want to be wary of. Because as you talked about before, there are such things as catfishing and... I well, like to do um, my matches with the headphones on and the mic on and put on the chipmunk voice mm-hmm. and then curse out people as a chipmunk. It's it's tons of fun because they're just laughing. They, they, they like the fact that they're getting cursed out by Alvin. You I'm not catfishing people. I'm <laughs> thinking you're Navi. Hey, listen. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Fuck you guys. <laughs> you, you fucking noob. <laughs> Uh, so yes, um, but they. So yes, you want to actually pay attention to the friends that your your kids are making online as well as in school. But the other thing is they are socializing still. They are still talking to people, and sometimes the friends that they have in school that they get to play with online here in I mean online in on the internet are the friends in school that the only way they're going to have sort of a play date is if they play a, um, a video game together. And and mm-hmm. I say that mostly because in he, here in Pennsylvania, um, school districts are very, very large and a child can be in, in the same district and be many miles apart. And since there's no public transpa- transportation mm-hmm. where I live, um, if a parent can't drive them, guess what? The only way they're going to play with their friends is if they play online. So, again, video games equal socialization skills. So you don't have to be scared about that, parents. But having that conversation with your kids of what games are you playing? What are the rules of the games that you're playing? Who are you playing with? And taking a general interest in your kids' video game habits as well as their regular life, you will see so much of a difference they will not be spending as much time on video games if you show that you're interested exactly thank you interested but in dealing with that these kids they work well once they know that mom and dad are okay with this but you parents should also be aware of what is considered a safe friend and not a safe friend 
any friends that like friends like try to find out oh where are you from and you say new york city yay and then they go no where are you from yeah that's where addressed that's not really a good friend but there are people who like make friends with um strangers because they are better better short-term i guess therapists for them to hear well, and, an unbiased and, and that goes party. back to some of the other things that we talked about last week. Oh, well, not last week, but our last episode where we were talking about sometimes there's that video, uh, the social bullying, uh, social media bullying. So if mm-hmm. the, a, a child knows that their friends will not be online and they have that ability to talk to not a, a stranger per se maybe somebody that they've played the game with several times that seems interested in their life but this person is not in mm-hmm. the same state country whatever of this child they're going to be a little bit more willing to open up and say this is what's been going on because this person's really not going to judge them and if and even if they did guess what you can block them so so there's a lot of there, there's that safe feeling of telling someone who really doesn't know you what's going on in in your life just so that you can kind of get it off your chest and if that person is any Mm -hmm. is a real good friend not by like that they know you forever but just as they're a good person they would say maybe this is something you should talk to about your talk to with your parents or talk to with a professional because it seems like something like i can't handle it and and it's okay to say you need help with this you know, some of the sometimes kids get online and they just need somebody to talk to. They need to vent, and that's what they do. I, I guess we should talk about that really dark part of where we, where video game addiction came from. So in two thousand one, and I'm pretty sure it started before then, but this is where the very this is when it started becoming very very prevalent was in the, t- the early two thousands. So in two thousand one, here in America. Um, there was a man by uh, last name I know was Wooly, and he was I know it's a weird name, but he was on EverQuest. And if anybody knows the game EverQuest, it was also deemed Evercrack. It was very addictive, <laughs> not in the sense of I'm suffering from physical pains from not playing it, but the type of I, I just constantly need to play it. So depending on what version of the story you hear, they talk about how EverQuest, he had to, he was spending more money within EverQuest and I didn't play the game. I'm sorry. This was not my this this was not my game. But he was spending money within the game, I guess to buy gold or something. And um there was another player that he was playing against called I Love You. So I don't know, well, not playing against but playing uh-huh. with in the game this person betrayed him and this was a situation where the mom so he had gotten his own own apartment he had a job and everything so he was doing everything he needed to do as an adult Hmm. and then all of a sudden he just kept playing everquest to the point of he wasn't doing anything else so his mom kind of blames everquest and sony the creators of everquest for for his suicide he he kind of just was started playing this game 12 hours a day, which was bad for him because, again, a comorbid, um, com- his comorbid diagnosis with that was he was epileptic. Playing video games with um, epilepsy is not a good thing because 
the flashing lights and the changing the screens can cause you to have different uh, to have an epileptic seizure. Um, and he ha- had been taken to uh, the hospital about eight times since starting EverQuest. So right there, he has that. He's playing this game. He's going crazy. What mom wasn't really... Mom, mom kind of forgot that her son also had poor self-image bad, uh, and, and just very low self-esteem. So he found somebody on EverQuest that was giving him attention. And so again, if we talk to... Um, if, if we go into it that way... The addiction itself wasn't from the video game, was from this contact with this person that he was playing this video game with. When this person did kind of betray him, he did commit suicide. But that also goes back to what what else was going on in his life that he felt so alone, that he felt so... That without this internet person, that he would not... That he could not function. And was that but with that we have to look at all of these outlying factors because mm-hmm. this is a poor relationship this is a, a toxic relationship yes. that's going on on the internet this is this person also has poor yeah. self-image epilep- um, epilepsy and he had um, low self-esteem mm-hmm. so he has all of these outlying factors and it comes and he was using the game as his coping mechanism. And then when his coping mechanism fell through, <laughs> i.e. I love you, said I don't love you. He no longer felt that he had any other means to survive. But that's the question. Mom is blaming Sony. But mom, where were you well, that you didn't say? Yeah. And, and again, this is a situation where this you... was a 21 year old young man who had his own place. So he wasn't living with mom. And and sadly, none of the stories really get into how did mom discover that her, her son had committed suicide other than she walked into the apartment and he was dead. Because again, this happened in 2001. So it, it's mm-hmm. it's stories like that where it kind of brought uh, video game addiction to the forefront. Um, 2007, um, in China, a guy died from having a heart attack, but it was due to lack of physical activity because he had played a video game for many days straight. So he hadn't got, gotten up to do anything other than probably pee or poop, if that much. Yes, uh, there has been... Much. Again, because of sedentary position for a very long time, 2012 in Taiwan, two men died uh, also from, uh, from I'm sorry, for, from a heart attack. Yeah, so in 2005 so in South Korea, StarCraft, another one of those very addictive games. Uh, again, it was, it was a lot of fun when it came out. So yes, <laughs> uh, man went into cardiac arrest at um at the internet cafe because he was playing starcraft for 50 hours straight so okay but those those are those are uh again these are adults who are playing these games for very long uh very long times and they're this is not that uh it wasn't the video game that killed them it was the fact that they were refusing to become physically active that's when they start saying, yes, video uh, playing video games is an addiction. Because 50 hours straight, there's a problem. 
But now let's go into some of these ones with children. Vietnam, 2007, police arrested a 13-year-old boy accused of murdering and robbing an 81-year-old woman. The boy confessed that he needed money to play an online game and decided to go kill and rob the victim. In the United States, 18-year-old Devin Moore was addicted and obsessed with Grand Theft Auto Vice City, suddenly snapped and went on a crime spree on the... Uh, June 7, 2003. Uh, Caught trying to steal a car and was brought into the police station where he then managed to steal one of the police officer's guns. Shot him and two other officers dead before stealing a police car and escaping. This goes back to... Oh, after he was... uh, This was my favorite part here. After he was recaptured, he said, life is a video game. Everybody's got to die sometime. These are people who are not well-adjusted. These are people who are not in their right mind. That shows right there that they have no concept of reality, that they're saying that that they think that what happens in Grand Theft Auto can be done in real life without any type of real ramifications. An An Ohio teenager in 2009, oh no, I'm sorry, in 2007, killed his mother. Um, shot both of his parents, killed his mother after they took away his copy of Halo 3. And he he didn't have the concept but that when he killed his parents, his parents will... Well, when he killed his mother, that his mother would be dead forever. 13. And how was he? How old was he? Okay, so A, why are you letting your child have that game in the first place? You shouldn't have... Uh, bought it for him in the first place to be able to take it away from was him. Halo th- was Halo first 3 issue. a uh, issue. one of the Halo no Halo because I don't I, I think it's it, it's one of those um, T for teen games so it may... he's not a teen yeah. um, he's not really a teen so but the thing with that is a lot of these concepts are conversation that should be had and I guess when certain families have to have those conversations uh, over other families about death and oh you know what m for blood uh blood and gore mild uh, mild language and violence so yeah you can see i haven't played halo 3 in forever um because for some strange reason i thought it was rated t for teen (laughs) everything is a children's game after a certain point but the issue with that is when you expose children to things that they are not mature enough for and you haven't had a conversation with them before introducing them to this to say that death is permanent and this is just a game, then they come up with this ideology that that it's okay to do whatever they want. And it puts the family at risk. It puts the child at risk because we have an entire generation of teens who are 12 and committing suicide and just doing it for Facebook Live. So we have to address that issue of talking to your kids to make sure it's clear that death is permanent and like the consequences of a game are not the same consequences of a of a real life incident you can't just press restart you can't start soft reset and start all over and it's it's going to be something that it's going to be constantly brought up you know again this goes back to as long as parents are kind of really involved in their trying to in their child's life a lot of a lot of these problems wouldn't be happening when it comes to adults who are having these issues you also want to again look at what else is going on in their life 
uh, I can't go and say that enough. Just like addiction, why did they uh, why did they get into using that substance? What what was it that caused them to say that they needed that substance more than they needed a person? You know what got them into the addiction? So so how do we address it? Well, then? as in family therapy, we kind of say let's work together with the family and let the family co- come up with the solution of how they want to handle it preemptively so if you if they're if the family is starting to see that there's a video game um situation being kind of manifesting you can you can stop that you can um the the recommended time for any child to be on an electronic device is about an hour to two hours a day and two hours is even like is is very extreme in most cases so if you're saying one to two hours a day and they're talking when they say one to two hours a day they're saying for like television to video games so that's across the board now if Mm -hmm. the family is sitting together to watch a, a tv show maybe that's not so bad because again you're doing something together as a family but the question is is are you sitting down and watching the TV show and shushing everybody through it because you can't hear what's going on or are you guys having a conversation about what's going on in the TV show so so that's that's another big uh, another big question when it comes to video games if you're putting your kid in a room and kind of locking them away for several hours and you don't know what's going on and then you're kind of saying I don't understand why my kid uh, gives me such a hard time when I tell him he can't play video games anymore. Well, you kind of created that monster. Mm-hmm. So it's it's one of those, we could help you stop it, but it's also how much did you contribute to making it? And again, this is me just talking about, I, I'm honestly talking mostly about children, not adults. When it comes to adults with this, with this type of situation, we do want to handle what's what else is going on. So, are we dealing with someone who's suffering from it from depression, um, and is using it as an escape? Are we looking at somebody who is uh, suffering from severe uh, low self esteem or social anxiety, and this is how they're dealing with that, and then ha- handle it from that aspect? So, no matter what we're talking about, there need there's most likely a different um, diagnosis to say that that's being compensated by playing video games it, it's not a be and be all end all it can be helped it will be a lot of work there's many ways to handle video game addiction <laughs> but as long as people again are willing to work at it if as long as they're saying that yes i'm i, I want to change this then it's not that di- i mean it's, it's going to be difficult, but it's not going to be as difficult as saying somebody who's court mandated to uh, drug and alcohol treatment and they don't want to quit their drug. Again, or this is going to be a topic that we probably talk about many times over in some, uh, some way or another. Many of the other podcasts and Geek Therapy Network has discussed video game addiction at some point or another. Again, like I said, um, Jedi Council did a really good episode where they talked about it with um, Felicia Day's character. Geek Therapy, actually, no, I know Geek Therapy did a topic on it once before. So those are some, those are just some places where you can learn more about uh, video game addiction. Google has a plethora of information on video game addiction. But again, you want to be, what's the word? You kind of want to go in and say, okay, I'm going to look for this 
yeah, take take the information with a grain of salt because not all of it is going to be correct. If you think that you know somebody who may be suffering from an addiction or sort of like a substance abuse disorder, but instead of substance abuse, it's video game abuse, definitely seek help. There's a 12-step programs. There are summer camps that are like sort of like a wilderness camp thing that helps with it family-based programs that help with it. There are therapists that do CBT for this. So there's a lot of treatment for it. There are even some school programs. And again, this is, you have to really know your school and know what they what they offer at the school. Thank you, because apparently I can't offer. speak anymore. Um, but there are some school programs that will even um, help with um, video game addiction. And uh, they have social groups for that. So then we will look up school help and Google help. And if you feel that you need to go into a program, there's psychologytoday.com, which offers a directory of programs that address any sort of concerns that you may have. I think I think this is a good place for us to end. This is this is a very long episode for us, but we kind of again wanted to just get video game addiction kind of off the table so that we can go on to some of the fun stuff that we want to talk about. And again, as a family therapist, this is just something that I deal with almost every time I start a new case. So almost any time I need meet a new client, and I know that the child likes to play video games, I get thrown with the my your the child is suffering from a video game addiction. So I really wanted to kind of get this out of the way. <laughs> Thank you all for listening to Yay. us for about an hour and a half. We are part of the Geek Therapy Network and I'm very Woo. excited about that. Um, we are if you go into iTunes and look up Geek Therapy Network, there are six different podcasts on that ne- network and we are there with them. At Geek Therapy Network, you will find Geek Therapy, Psych Tech, Headshots, Jedi Council. What am I forgetting? Rolling for Change. How did I forget Rolling for Change? I really love that podcast also. And mm-hmm. and I do listen and subscribe to all of them. So you can always look on the Geek Therapy Network. Mm-hmm. We will be there with all of those. We have a Twitter uh, a Twitter account now, which I'm I, I honestly just opened today. <laughs> so we have you can get us now on Twitter and that would be at Geeks Fam Therapy. So all one word. And then we have our Facebook page, which is uh, Geek Therapy, uh, Geeks and Family Therapy. So if you look that if you go on to Facebook, you can find us there just by putting in uh, GFT, semic- uh, no, colon, Geeks and Family Therapy. Or when you go into the search thing, just go and put uh, Geeks and Family Therapy. You'll find us. How else can they reach you, Leah? I exist on the interwebs. I am Facebook, Twitter, Google Plus. And you can find me at LFB, like the buzzer. We hope you come back again and we will see everybody next time. See you next time.